0: Hey everybody, I'm Mike Yeager, and I want to thank you for checking us out. Welcome to Vessel. We're so excited to get things rolling here in Meadows Place, it has been a blast so far. If you're in the Meadows or nearby in Southwest Houston or Fort Bend County, Stafford, we would love to meet you. Or if you know anyone in the area searching for a Christian community that is Jesus-centered, justice-minded, and a safe and inclusive place for all people. We are gathering regularly through the fall during this initial planting season, and invite you to join us on this shared journey of healing and hope. Here's the message from this weekend and we pray it is a blessing to you. So once again, uh, good morning, friends, neighbors, especially those of you joining for the first time. Thank you truly for being here. This, this is new for all of us, myself included. I have to remind myself of that second part. Uh, so it's certainly not gonna be without adjustments and, and we each come carrying our own sense of hope and expectation and, and what we're comfortable with and what we're used to or or you know what we've uh brought with us coming from a broad array of distinct family and and cultural and faith traditions and all of us carry some uh harm perhaps some of that has has happened within the context of a religious community past or present and some of the harm we carry is maybe in part that we ourselves have caused others and and i hope that we can learn to have, have patience and hold grace with and for one another as uh, as we, with God, God God's guidance, find our unique footing and cadence together in this season, right? So if your algorithm is anything like mine, it probably isn't, uh, but it pushes you endless amounts of church stuff. Just me, it's like all day, every day. Uh, you may have seen an article earlier in the week uh, by a, a Presbyterian pastor, Alexander Lang in Illinois. And in it, it made a, a little bit of a wave because he offered this deep dive explanation, not for why he was quitting his congregational post of ten years, but rather why he was leaving the pastorate altogether. And so he referenced a, a phenomenon uh, that has been noted recently, called the the Great Pastor Resignation. Uh, and this was a study that was done by Barna in March of last year that found that forty two percent. Of pastors in our country had given serious consideration to quitting to leaving full-time ministry entirely at some point in time during the previous 12 months and that figure was a full 13% higher than just one year prior it's a very troubling trend right and of those who considered quitting they cited as among the primary reasons the immense stress of the job I feel lonely and isolated current political divisions so great planning a church when we're getting ready to enter an election year. Can't wait. Uh, I'm unhappy with the effect this role has had on my family. I am no longer optimistic about the future of the church I serve. And the list continued from there. And and he, he went on to describe these various proficiencies expected of The pastor so most people's experience first experience of you will be hearing you preach so you've got to be eloquent and composed if they don't feel fed they are probably not coming back but not just that you've got to be a a catalytic leader to grow the thing so now you're a CEO but not just that you're fundraising you know for your own salary if you even have one which I don't right now let alone building a team or, or maintaining a physical location so people treat it like it's a real thing, right? Or maybe just to do the thing that actually comes first and, and to give generously toward those in need. But, but not just that, you're a theologian and a counselor and an HR director and a master of ceremonies. And God forbid either you or your spouse or your kids ever stumble because you're also, your family is a pillar of virtue. And it's too much. It's too much for anyone. And and more importantly, it's dangerous. Because you don't have to look very far to see the kind of destruction that these expectations can bring about. The fear of letting anyone down and its burnout and its isolation and its self-sabotage and its marital strife and its family strain. Crisis of faith. A loss of heart for the mission. And ultimately a loss of a uh, nerve to continue getting pummeled. Or even worse, the pastor says, yes, indeed, I am all those things. And, and, and look how very good I am at all these things. And they get a taste for, I'm like way ahead, what's going on here? And then they get a taste for power or influence or attention and their ego takes over and that's when people get hurt. And maybe you've been on the receiving end. So Mike, then you might be asking, why on earth are you doing this then and that's a good question and i'm going to try and answer because first because for all of its faults i believe passionately in the redemptive potential of the local church as an instrument of god's goodness designed to become a deeply connected people whose shared mission in life is to live out the teachings of jesus within the particularities of a given time and place and within the particularities of our respective journeys as as carriers, as you might say, vessels of God's goodness and grace and healing and hope. It's because I cling to the foolish belief that God continues to bring about God's purposes through the deeply imperfect efforts of deeply imperfect people. And why? Because throughout all of Scripture, that's exactly what God does. Time and again, calls upon the reluctance in the resistance and uh, those who have otherwise declared themselves forsaken or forgotten or otherwise useless. But when we reach the end of ourselves, our self-reliance, our self-will, our plan, our vision, it's then and only then that we awaken to what the psalmist describes. We just heard it. You lifted me out of the pit into which I had fallen, the mud In the mire and you place a new song of praise in my mouth so I want you to hear clearly that place where all you can see is broken is the place that God comes gently beside you to whisper I am NOT done yet and there's a deliverance and a peace and it's not because I have done anything or earned anything but solely because God is good and trustworthy Second, second, why am I doing this? Because our most recent census data tells us that Houston and the wider region grows by over 2,400 people every week. That is a mega church every week. If you include an area uh, from everything from the Woodlands to Sugar Land, it's larger than the state of New Jersey. Both Harris and Fort Bend County are, remain in the top 10 counties in the nation in numerical growth Year on year, more people. But in the last year that we have available data, more than 4,000 churches closed. And that was 2019. That was pre-COVID speculation is that, is that those numbers are only accelerating. So there are less churches. And so we are on a pace right now. This is the data that, that within most of our lifetimes, that the number of Americans who claim Christianity as their central religious identity will drop below 50%. That's a startling decline, and I I propose that it has far less to do with an age of, of increasing faithlessness and excess than it does with an American church that is increasingly unrecognizable from its origins. So we're a spectator culture. We want to be entertained or inspired, or to leave feeling good about ourselves, box checked, and then we draw back to our own rhythms, into where we're comfortable, into where we maintain the illusion of control, and it becomes a transaction, and you know, we become consumers, which makes churches into competition, vying for customers, which means before long, it's Broadway level stage production and all the bells and whistles for our kids, but we eventually start to wonder, when was the last time? That we had a meaningful conversation with other believers where there was honesty and vulnerability and uh, it was safe to share and to pray and to lower our guard because we'd done the work to establish trust when was the last time that we were in service to others service for the sake of its own blessing toward neighbor or stranger getting nothing in return we wonder when was the last time that we broke bread with someone who doesn't look like me vote like me believe the same things i do worship like me and and tried to listen more than i spoke when was the last time that we took an honest look at our 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 materialism our idolatry our pride and our prejudice in what really has a hold of our heart because we're not passive spectators and that is not this invitation this is not a transaction we are all active participants called together into the the ongoing great commission to make disciples and to share the gospel to the ends of the earth and that's not the work of the pastor that's the work of the people so in the book of acts chapter six we see the early church processing in real time the same tension the body of believers is growing in number and the needs feel overwhelming and and so we need some kind of organizational system don't everybody raise their hand all at once right And the story goes on, if I can find where I was. There we go. My goodness. Here we go. Now, during those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, the the Hellenists, the, the, the Greek Jews, complained against the Hebrews, the culturally Semitic Jews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And so for context, when poor Jews became Christian, they were thereby essentially cut off from all of those streams of, of Jewish cultural support that they had had to that point. And so thus, more Christians also meant more people in extreme need. So that's the correlation. And the 12 called together the whole community of the disciples and they said, it's not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables, which sounds odd, but meaning essentially we maintain worship and formation as, as primary to our, our mission. It, it is of one of the primacy things that we do. Clearly there are, are huge benevolence needs in the community and our ministry together has got to evolve, but we have an important responsibility to the former. So, okay, church, you better get on that. What are you waiting for? And so they say exactly that. Therefore, brothers and sisters, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, I will add, or women, full of spirit or wisdom, whom we may appoint to the task while we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and the serving of the word. And if you find yourself looking around asking, well, who's gonna do something about fill in the blank? Maybe the person meant to do something about it is you. So often we ask, why isn't the church stepping up to meet a particular need without, without bothering to remember that, that we are the church, and we settle for that so hard? How can I be praying for you? When in reality, faith community is about shaping and, and discipling us to become more attuned to the movement of God's Spirit and prepared to respond as an answer to those very prayers. So when the community becomes one of empowerment and participation, everyone wins. It's not all on one person or a small team. And you've got skin in the game and you have a chance to discover gifts that you you didn't even know you had because you're surrounded by people who see you and encourage you and challenge you to grow beyond the limitations that you have wrongly assumed of yourself. And, And you might think that the The people would resent one of the de facto pastors essentially saying well feeding widows that's not my job that's your job (laughs) because even then there were were probably unfair expectations of those leading to be all things to all people everywhere all the time but that wasn't the case and I find this fascinating because as, as it turns out what they said pleased the whole community you're a part of this Decide amongst yourself, who, who do you want to carry on this, this ministry? And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, together with Philip and Prochorus and Icanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. There's not going to be a test, so don't worry about it. They had these men stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. These are the first deacons of the church. And the word of God continued to spread, and the disciples, the number of disciples increased greatly. In Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And this is important because nowhere does it say that the apostles pulled these seven aside for a second interview or that they were in any way responsible for deciding that these particular seven were capable and trusted to take up leadership of this new ministry. The community had already done that for themselves together in their discernments The discernment of their group conscience was trusted by the apostles. And so my hope is that you come to share in the desire for Vessel to become a community, as I said before, known for its hospitality. Uh, There is a very real realistic goal that we can set right now, that not one person should move into the city of Meadows Place without receiving a warm welcome and a blessing and an invitation from Vessel Church with no sense of expectation, but simply because we see you and we are so glad that you are here. If only we knew someone in real estate that could let us know when someone's moving into the neighborhood. But my hope is that you share in the desire for Vessel to become a community known for its hospitality, for its generosity, for its joy, to known as a true sanctuary, a safe place. And it's my hope that you feel empowered to make your voice known, to pursue justice, to to defend the voiceless, to call upon the care of those in need. Your voice matters here. Hear that clearly. Your story matters here. Your presence matters here. And so start thinking and and praying, if you haven't already, what is it that you uniquely bring to this body? Passions and talents and uh, resources and relationships. And maybe your musical, which would be great, even a little bit. Because, you know, there's a very good reason why I outsource to great friends like Eric, but I'm going to run out of favors here really soon, and we may be worshiping with a karaoke machine next time around for all I know, which would be great. Point is that you have a real place here if you want it. No one gets to tell you you don't belong. If the church or the people within it have ever, ever treated you as lesser or other on the basis of your birthplace or race, or class, or education, or gender, or sexuality, or really for any reason at all. May this be a gentle place to heal. And I say gentle in part because we're not in, in a rush. A, a few days ago, I shared a reflection on P.A.C.E. It's on the, the blog page of our website, vesselhouston.org. Check it out if you haven't already done so. Because we're setting out to build a community that is made to endure the inevitable seasons of hardship. And our pace has to match the distance that we want to travel. And so for the time being, we're gonna continue along in this every third week cadence for these larger gatherings. I've got the next dates set, October 1st, October 22nd. Those are both gonna be back right across the street at the community center. With the weeks in between being a mix of fellowship and study and service, for instance, if you weren't on the email, you missed our awesome Labor Day potluck. We had such a great time, and the kids were dancing around in the rain, and it was so joyful, and we would love for you to know what's going on. So if you aren't already on the mailing list, please connect with me afterward. I'd love to keep you posted on what's coming up, but we're not going to burn you out, and we're going to try really hard not to burn me out. For pretty much the whole weekend following our first Sunday gathering a couple weekends ago, I, I battled these daily waves of anxiety and I was trying to pinpoint exactly what was contributing. Because we started, it's happening, and we really did step off that ledge, and, and now there's no going back. It's like, you know, Wiley e. Coyote, just before he like, plummets the earth, you realize that there's no solid ground. Beneath and here come those expectations like a, a freight train and, and the toxicity of comparison and where we should be or what we should be doing, and all this and the tangible reality of of can we even afford to slow down? And it falls it feels a bit like falling. And it can get overwhelming really quickly if I wrongly believe and operate as though I am in charge of the results. It becomes overwhelming if My identity and my self-image, my self-worth hinge upon the success of this venture by whatever metric success is even defined in this context, rather than my identity being secure and grounded in Christ. And I'm so grateful for good friends who have reminded me along the way of the same thing that I want to remind you right now. I got a text from one friend, Jules. And jules is that friend that is like scarily dialed in to the holy spirit right like so much so that i envy it because personally i'm i'm someone that it always feels like i'm just picking up static I'm trying to find a radio station in the middle of nowhere not just me but the text was simply three words you are enough another good friend and mentor sean palmer teaching pastor at Ecclesia, uh, where I have arrived here from the fo- The evening following that first gathering, he sent me a text and it said the following, I don't even need to look at it because I know what it said. <laughs> it said, I don't know how things went today or need to know. I don't know, need to know if your explanation or what your expectations were and if they were met or not. I don't need to know if you feel encouraged or discouraged tonight because I know this, that you are a gifted man of God and you have a heart for God and a heart for people. And I know that whatever joys or sorrows you experience along this journey, you will keep listening for the voice of God. And that makes you blessed. That makes you a success. And I just need to print that out and put it in my pocket and read it every day. And the same is true for you. And I want you to hear that clearly. You are enough. You don't have to show up in a certain way or to, add, uh, to mask what's really going on to be accepted because beloved is where you begin. It's the starting place. Jesus came from Galilee to where John was taking a break from snacking on locusts and baptizing many others in the Jordan River. And, and John initially resisted but eventually consented to baptize Jesus also, fulfilling this this ritual of anointing that would have been performed over any of the Jewish monarchs. And Matthew 3 tells us that when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, "'This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased.'" Before healing the sick, before defying the laws of physics in miraculous provision, before raising the dead, before the cross, before the empty tomb, before he had done anything, Jesus is called beloved child. And as parents, we intuitively know this. We hold this infant who has not done one thing and we say, this is my child in whom I am well pleased But oh, how we ever forget that the same is true of ourselves. And so there's a cruel irony to any theology that on one hand tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And on the other hand, leads so many of us to despair of ourselves or even to hate ourselves because of how lost and sinful and rebellious and depraved we're told we are commanded to love while being made to feel unlovable. And we wonder why so many branches of the Christian tradition, especially in the Western church, conflate love and judgment as though they were the same thing and protect judgment and shame, project judgment and shame onto others while calling it love, tough love, right? So let me say it again, that you may receive it as a a liberating healing truth. You are loved and you belong, period. And we, together, together, truly together, have an opportunity to move toward this community and this city, empowered by the Spirit to break those bonds of shame and to turn over and cultivate a new soil in which our lives together can take root. That every person would know that the same of true of them, not out of obligation, but as a result of transformation and so we're just getting started and I am overjoyed to share in this journey with you all will you please join me in prayer and we're gonna to turn to the communion table so God we thank you once again for the gift it is to lay it all down at your feet the encumbrance and the weight of all the striving for acceptance our striving for love and worthiness that these burdens removed would allow us to stand firm and lift our eyes to the beauty and grace that is all around us. Help us to join in the eternal currents of your love and magnify our meager but faithful efforts to the glory of your now and coming kingdom. Amen.